It's time for another Tucson Means Business, where you get to meet the best Tucson entrepreneurs and those leaders in the community with a story to tell. Tucson Means Business. And now your host, Mark Bishop. And it's nice to have you here again on Tucson Business Radio, a member partner of the Business Radio X Network across America. Today, a very special show, rather unique. We've got something special that happened in Tucson a little while ago. It's called a Commerce Bank. A commerce bank, as against your local little bank, you know, or your building society. What's the difference? There's a lot of difference. We're going to find out why this has been so successful, this particular bank in Tucson. So in Tucson Means Business Today with Mark Bishop here at the Stuart Title Studio on Broadway, I'd like to welcome three, in fact four, because one is a lady, three gentlemen, up to the uh, to the table and to our show today. The first is Steve Pickering. He's a director of Commerce Bank of Arizona. Welcome, Steve. Mark, nice to be here. Thank no, you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate that. I have uh, Ed Wilkinson. The Commerce Bank of Arizona is locally owned, which means it is owned by approximately 412 shareholders. Most of these shareholders live in Arizona, including this gentleman, Eb Wilkinson. Welcome, Eb. Welcome. Thank you. We're going to learn a lot from you today on why it's down good to be a shareholder. <laughs> the good-looking fellow is Jared Reedhead, graduated uh, summa cum laude in 2003 from the University of Arizona with a bachelor's degree in business administration, majoring in entrepreneurship. That's unusual. We don't hear of that all the time. And, of course, management information systems. That's also what he majored in, and that certainly fits the career and successes this gentleman has had. Welcome, Jared. Thank you, Mark. And last but not least, this lady, well, I'm really going to find out a lot more about her role, but she is the relationship manager for the bank. Her name is Jeannie Johns. Welcome, Jeannie. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having us. And it sounds like a great job. I love it. It's the best. Yeah. When you got all these guys together, didn't you? That was a... I do. I get to work with gentlemen like this all the time. The, all the time? That's all fun. every day. Do they take you to lunch alone? Some of them do. Yeah? They've yeah. got decent uh, expense accounts and so on? Yes. Well, we are in a bank, aren't we? But we, I suppose we've got to make money first. You left a job at a corporate bank. I did. To pursue the chance to work for a community bank. Why was that? Uh, the opportunities a community bank affords um, employees like myself are amazing. They're very unique. So being at a corporate bank, you deal with the same customers, same transaction types, day in and day out. Very little opportunity to prove to uh, kind of progress and to grow yourself as, as an employee. Commerce Bank is um, very, very unique. We're the, we're the last locally owned bank left in Southern Arizona. And as such, we have our headquarters here in Tucson, process all of our operations internally. All of our loan um, ops are here in Tucson. So when they came looking for me, they gave me a chance to work in operations and to see the wire side, the GL side, all of the de debit card disputes, um, compliance. There's a number of areas that I could touch that you would only get to touch in a tower in another city. Wow, that sounds interesting. You've worked for Commerce Bank now since January 2013. Yes. Where you started in operations department, but moved into the role of executive assistant to the president. Yeah, that mm. was a fun change. Would you make a nice coffee, did you? Hmm? No, I had nothing to do with the coffee. <laughs> Most recently, uh, promoted to relationship manager. Good on you. Well, you know, we have a show called no glass ceiling on business radio x and uh, maybe we'll invite you in one day to do that because you're a successful female in a man-driven world as they say <laughs> and you've done well with that and that's all about female entrepreneurs going back left jared 
Reed Head. Hi, Jared. Uh, what was it, uh, do you think, that spearheaded you towards entrepreneurship and management, info systems at college? Well, I went on a mission for my church, and my mission president at the time when I was 20 years old was 42 years old, and he was able to take three years out of his life and go uh, pursue his passion of, of uh, serving his religion, and, and he was a real estate developer. And so I talked to him a little bit about what he did, and I loved what I heard, and I loved the financial flexibility he had. Well, uh, I guess at that uh, at that age too, you're going to be fairly impressionable. You're going to listen when something's good. You became a real estate agent in 2002, right? Correct. And a real estate broker in 2008. Uh, was that when you opened uh, Tucson Integrity Realty? Yes. LLC. That was back then. Uh, I think it was March, wasn't it? 2008. Correct. You went on to earn your certified commercial investment member designation. It's a mouthful. It is. 2005. What was the plan that you had in mind at that stage, if you don't mind me asking? Well, at that stage, I thought that I wanted to be a commercial real estate broker and go and, and buy and sell huge high-rises and develop huge office towers. Okay. You bought your uh, first rental property in 2001, and I believe your first student uh, rental property in 2006. Correct. All right. So you saw a niche so to speak. Um, partners, Jarrett built up his student rental portfolio uh, with your partners to include over 190 rental units comprising of some 950 bedrooms. It's been fun. Should have been in the hotel game, mate. Huh? <laughs> Estimated value of $42 million? Correct. Wow. Currently, TIR manages 67 properties comprising 762 bedrooms. And did you ever believe you would grow to that extent? Yes, I did. I thought that we would we would grow the business and then learn from it and continue trying to make smart investment decisions. Well, you've obviously done that, and your connection with the bank is obviously something we're going to learn all about. Well, they're the they're the reason it's been so successful. Uh, Ed, Ed Wilkinson, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I'm doing well too. Thank you. How did you go about investing? in the Commerce Bank in the first place, because we have you here today as a successful investor. Okay, because it's locally owned, you're a shareholder. How did you go about investing in this? Well, I started with uh, John Lewis. I've known him for 25 years now. I knew him when he was young and had darker hair. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, he's always run a great operation. He ran uh, Southern Arizona Community Bank, mm -hmm. retired from there, took some time off, got lured back into Commerce Bank, a few years later, he came to me and, and basically said, hey, uh, our bank just lost $13, $14 million, and uh, we'd like you to, to invest in us. <laughs> I thought, wow, what a great sales pitch. Yeah, yeah. So when I did the first investment, first round of investing, uh, it was basically because of John. Uh, nothing more than that. Uh, I had no concept of whether I'd ever see that money again, but I knew if anybody could turn the bank around, it would be John. So that went well. Two years later, they came around and did another offering. I've already seen what John was able to accomplish. And looking at the math, it made sense to me to go back in and invest one more time. So really, it's a pure, pure case of uh, trust in a friend. In the very beginning, absolutely. Yeah, that's a hell of absolutely. a risk, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, no, not necessarily. Because you believed in his absolutely. Uh, work ethic and his well, and ability. I, and I knew how he operated the prior bank. Okay. I saw that. All right. So to me, it was a no-brainer. Okay, so you were happy with the history. Now you purchased uh, privately offered shares. Uh, so you're a shareholder, customer, <laughs> and no doubt 
the way you talk, my friend, are a very good Once referral again, source. When, uh, when John uh, left Southern Arizona Community Bank, I stayed there. And then when he started with Commerce Bank, the day he started was the day I moved my accounts. Well, there you go. So I have both personal and business accounts there. As well as, you know, you think about it. Uh, I want you to invest in something that we've just lost all these millions with. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> yeah, John did, yeah. So. <laughs> Talk about reverse psychology, eh? <laughs> uh, as a former Marine, and by the way, thank you for your service. You're welcome. It's I honor. would think that you uh, would have been fairly disciplined in your approach to both business and investing. Uh, do you think this is why your career has been so successful, ending up in uh, as the managing partner of Imus Wilkinson Investment Management? Number one, yes. Number two, I have great team members. And with them, you know, they support me in what I do, and I support them in what they do. And together as a group, we're able to accomplish a lot more than we ever could individually. There you go. I'm a great believer of that, too. Have you always been, though, a true numbers guy? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you'd like to add to that? <laughs> as he takes a breath. Um Located in Tucson, Arizona, this is where your firm is. It's an independent investment managing group focusing on providing integrated financial advice and asset management services. I gather the needs become unique, though, if, uh, depending on the circumstances of each client. Every client has unique needs. Most of those clients have th – th those needs uh, are common among most individuals. So although it's unique to them – uh, it's common among every individual. We, we know at some point you're going to die. We know at some point you're going to need a will. We know at some point you're going to need to save for retirement. So all these are common, but each individual has a different need involved with that. But there were common threads all the way through. Absolutely. Hmm, interesting. All right, we're going to learn more about that from you a little bit later on. Steve Pickering, we mentioned before, is a director of the Commerce Bank. And... Uh, <laughs> You actually retired as the president and CEO of a $200 million semiconductor capital equipment medical aerospace contract manufacturing company. Correct. Headquartered in Tempe, just up the road in Arizona, right? Correct. Hop, step, and a jump. Can you share a little bit about that company? It, uh, we started that company in 2001. In five years, we grew it to over $200 million, primarily through acquisition and through organic growth. Uh, it was a heck of a ride. It was a great company, and we ended up selling it for a lot of money, and uh, they didn't need uh, me anymore, so I retired and, and uh, get to golf like you do. Right. You hit the, you hit the uh, links, did you? Yeah. Okay. And then um, I got bored and then <laughs> went back to like work. Like I did. <laughs> exactly. So you came out of retirement. You took on the president's role. I mean, some guys come out of retirement, do a little bit, they go back to work, and they do some part-time casual stuff. Not everybody takes on the president's role of a mining-related company headquartered in Santiago, Chile. Correct. Uh, corporate vice president for the parent company was next, located in Tucson, Arizona. What was that company called? Kate Industries. Ah. So Bill Ossemarker, who is the uh, president and CEO of Cade, um, actually the chairman and CEO of Cade, and chairman of the Commerce Bank, has been a personal friend of mine for 35 years. And when you talked about other people buying into that money-losing right. um, offer, right. I was one of those people that <laughs> in 2015, and I knew John Lewis, but I also knew Bill really well. So it wasn't betting on the financial performance and right. history of it. It was betting on those two people. 
people that I knew personally that you just have to take a, a run sometimes based on your gut. Mm-hmm. And um, my gut said, I, I trust these people, and they are sharp, and they have a tremendous track record in, in what they do. Well, they do. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've mentioned quite a few things that one would make a pretty serious decision on. Was there anything else at all, when you think back, that stood out about the opportunity itself? Well, the, the pitch that uh, Bill would make over and over again is that this is the last local bank. And what really appealed to me about being an investor first and then a director later was the fact that this bank helps local companies. It helps our community grow by having funds available to grow their businesses. And because we're a small local bank, um, we don't have to go to San Francisco. We don't have to go to L.A. to get approval. We do that approval process for loans and banking Mm -hmm. issues right here in Tucson. And so we, I can see personally the impact that we have in the community by working with our customers, figuring out ways to actually get the deal done rather than find excuses why we can't do yeah, it. Right. And so um, as the bigger banks get bigger and they don't want the smaller uh, local companies, that's us. That's who, that's who we want to be and that's who we are. I think it's smart thinking. You know, Jared, I mean, uh, you take uh, the traditional banks, that- that sort of attitude isn't going to get you anywhere, is it? No, I, I tried getting the types of loans for my properties with all the big guys, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase Bank. No one wanted to touch student housing. But no they're one. supposed to be entrepreneurial, aren't they? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're definitely entrepreneurial. <laughs> Fill out my 46 forms, and then we'll tell you no. Okay. All right. So, Steve, just going over the fact you seem to have done so much, by the sounds of it, uh, you never want to sit still. You retired again in 2011, but then over the next two years you led the successful turnaround of a telecommunications company as CEO this time. Correct. You came down just to peg a little bit. You know. <laughs> May I ask what that challenge was? It was a company that uh, it was really in tough financial shape, and they, their business model was really upside down. They, they were approaching retail uh, customers in the telecommunications space, and, and it just didn't work. And so we, we completely switched the business model to business to business, and we grew from $4 million in revenue to $16 million in two years. So it was, it was, a, it was a good turnaround, and uh, the company is still doing extremely well. I'm a shareholder in that company, too. Yeah, of course you are. You know, yeah, I was a daylight outside. Yes. <laughs> the sky's blue. Yes. yes. Welcome to Tucson, Arizona. The Commerce Bank is locally owned. Ed Wilkinson, you're one of the owners. Yeah. Uh, yes. Proudly one of the owners. Yeah, absolutely. And your company, the, we talked about, you know, the, the, the business that you have is helping people uh, very much so with financial planning, all sorts of asset, techs. I mean, you do so many things. Financial uh, planning, uh, asset management. The whole gamut. Um, you're SEC registered. Yes, I am. You have to be. And over the years, I'd imagine there'd be some dramatic changes brought about. There's been huge changes in this in industry. industry yeah. Absolutely. Can you uh, what, share a what, couple with sure. us? Sure. One of the biggest ones is... <laughs> I was uh, working in the wirehouse industry, you know, the large firms. Okay. And uh, there, they had a standard of suitability. In the industry that I'm in now, it's a fiduciary standard, a much higher standard. So you have to act in the customer's best interest. In the large wirehouses, that's not necessarily the case. And they didn't want that. So the new uh, Department of uh, Labor Regulations that came on down 
the large firms are fighting because once again, that puts more pressure on them, not from a performance standpoint, but from a taking responsibility standpoint. So when you know I left that area in 2011, formed my own company because I wanted that more intimate relation with the clients that I was not getting Hmm. at the large industries. That's what fascinated me about Commerce Bank. It's the same type of thing. Yes, yes. When you take a look at the community banks out there, um, you take a look at the community banks, the uh, credit unions, they employ about 700,000 people nationwide. And that's huge. And when you take a look at the number of people employed in that industry versus the big banks, they employ about 90% plus of the banking workers. Hmm. So when you take a look at it, although you've got the big banks out there, it's the small community banks that drive the communities, that, that drive the business. So the obvious question to me would come that if the bigger banks, you know, hire less, go automated, uh, one, you know, envisages steel, cold, cold reaction, useful to do business with, right? Here you are with the credit unions and the community banks with all these staff and overheads. How can they continue to make profit? Because it's they don't have all the staff and overheads the big banks do. The staff and overhead that they have is very judicious and very well planned. Uh, the exact right amount that they need to do what they need to do and to also grow their business. I mean, I go into a big bank. I walk into Wells Fargo. They have no idea who I am. Walk into a community bank. Walk into Commerce Bank. I'm greeted by name before I'm 15 feet in the door. And you don't get that at the large banks. You just don't. What a commerce bank employee, just elephants. <laughs> I mean, how can you remember everybody that comes in the door, for God's sake? They're very good. They're trained at it. That's what I, I like that. I like that very much. Your um, firm is supposed to be very successful. I would like to think so. Are you? We are. Okay. So what's your investment philosophy? Long term. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't do... Uh, we do not do a trading aspect. Uh, ours is long-term exponential growth. We love the equities markets. Uh, ours is an actively managed portfolio. We just don't put stuff in there and forget about it. Uh, we meet with the clients. We go over their goals. We figure out what it is that they really want. And then we take a look at what it is that they really need. And then we try and bring those two things together. So it's not a quick quid at your place, uh, a, no. a quick dollar. No, not at all. That's an Australian saying, quid. You know. <laughs> and British, too, as a matter right. of fact. Uh, would it be fair to say that Imus Wilkinson, your firm, still portrays the tried and proven set of beliefs that is the very core of your business? Absolutely, on a daily basis. Good old-fashioned business. Yeah, every one of our clients has our cell phone numbers, and we tell them. Well, even the directors? We tell them, if it cannot wait until 7 in the morning, call us. If somebody dies, call us. If you win the lottery, for the love of God, call us. <laughs> Especially that. <laughs> but, but when they're given that power of being able to call you whenever they need to, they don't abuse it. No, but I guess the respect is there, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, Mark, one thing that uh, Eb's been very, very humble about is how much wealth management he Overseas, But the part that I liked about Eb is when I was introduced to him, and I'm a very small fry in his portfolio, he treated me just like I was a millionaire and, 
And so he treats everyone the same, whether they're the little guy starting out or the guy that's made millions. I think there's a lot of corporations, small business, medium-sized business, anybody that's in business, just don't appreciate the value of being served. I agree. There used to be a British television show. It was very funny. It's called Are You Being Served? I remember that. Laugh your head off. You remember that show? I remember that. You know, people are people. We're just human, right? And it doesn't matter, you know, even if you're upset about other things, you go in and do business in a place like they care about you, really genuinely look you in the eyes and want to know, know your name. Man, I mean, you know, uh, you, at the end of the day, what's your bright, when you go back over the day and you think, what could I have done better perhaps, or what was today about, what's the one thing that's going to stand out for you? And you're going to go back, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, you know, know, to that end, you know, you're talking about are you being served. Uh, Jared, thank you. That was very kind. When you take a look at the people around this table, mm -hmm. every one of them is passionate about service. You know, we are here to serve. Uh you know, Steve and I are both in a service organization, and the motto is service above self. Jared Reed had the same thing with the church. Uh, his two, two years, correct? His two years was strictly service. That's all it was. Jeannie John, same thing. Mm -hmm. That's why we're here. That's why groups like these people here are successful in what they do. They're there to serve, first and foremost. Well, the bank has uh, done incredible things. Jared Reed, um, the certified commercial investment member designation, that thing we talked about before, um, that wasn't the plan you had in mind. You went on to rental properties. You did other things. But when you look back, what was the most exciting thing you did? Oh, the most exciting thing I did is, is I created a 17-bedroom um, group home out of an old grocery store in a laundromat because I saw the de the demand in the market for it and uh, was able to get with commerce and they gave me the financing for it and believed in my vision and and I guess I'm crazy enough to want 17 plus <laughs> college students living together at the same time and, and trying to manage that process. So. I think you've got a soft spot for college students. Maybe they were important years for you where you know, you thought, gee, one day if I can ever get to a spot to help me, us better, then I'll do it, you yeah. know. I've got a soft spot for the U of A. I've always loved the U of A since I was in sixth grade, and I just love being able to be around the U of A. And, and the thing about college students is that they're still full of hope and mm -hmm. optimism and right. goodness, and they're not sitting there complaining about the president or about the economy or about anything. So all they're worrying about is how are they going to get the grades to make mom and dad happy, and who are they going to date on Friday? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, you love investing in real estate, though, don't you? And I it do. seems growing new companies along with uh, – creating meaningful relationships with investors so much so that during the last 16 years you've bought and sold over 100 million dollars worth of real estate assets congratulations Jared. i mean that's amazing and i think other college cities around the u.s better watch out right because uh, you're going to be in like flynn well that's the goal it's so, been a lot it's been a lot of fun that's one thing about this is these gentlemen and, and lady will tell you is that if you're not passionate about what you're doing if you don't love it you'll never be good at it right well, yeah, I totally agree with that. How did Commerce Bank then help you to grow your rental business? Well, it's unique because uh, I met Jeff Walter, who brought me in and introduced me on the first time after I showed him around a properties, about two hours, showed him my properties. He said, I need you to meet with John Lewis. I need you to meet with the president and show him what you showed me. And so two days later, I met with John Lewis, and we showed him what we were doing in that. They sat down and said, how can we help you? What do you need? 
And I said, well, this is what I need. And I, I laid out that I'm having a hard time getting financing for these specialty properties that we found a niche in. Did nobody not understand it, what you were trying to do? Or what was the holdup then? They understood it. They were afraid of it. They were afraid of more than four college students living together thinking it would be a disaster. It just wrecked the joint, sort of Just wrecked the joint. And then the property would be, would be worth nothing. Correct. So we showed them our processes, how we manage that, how we make sure it doesn't become Animal House and different things. And, and they were just so supportive. And they got behind us. They went to their uh, board of directors and said, we believe in this young man, what he's doing. And, and the rest is history. Okay. Well, they, they had um, security over everything anyway, didn't they? Well, they did. They, that's one thing they liked about us is that we don't – I'm not the, out there going to try to leverage 80%. I went to them the first day I asked them for it. I said, I only want 65% loan to value. And they said, we love you. Right. That's what we, that's what we love to hear. And, uh, you know, I've not only been able to get financing from them, but we pay our stuff off quickly. I don't like debt. Yeah. And a normal bank doesn't like that because they want to make the fees. The Commerce Bank and the directors, they, they love that because then they can reinvest it in reinvest more and do more again. Everybody wins that way, don't they? They do. Uh, what was it like working with the local lender versus the big box lenders? I mean, I know you've shared a little bit, but there must be a couple of things that really stand out that you, you would like to share with people. I would like them to know the ease, the, the difference between dealing with a person and them knowing your name and who you are and what your business is all about versus being an application and trying to fit you inside their boxes. Um, working with a community bank, they've got business analysts that have been in the, and credit analysts that understand all the myriads of different businesses. And they look at you and they assess the risk that you are based on understanding your business. So when I call them up and I show them what I'm doing and give them my philosophy and how we're going to do it and explain how we're gonna mitig mitigate their risk, they take it from there and the fast turnaround. I can call Terry Gomez and within a week I can have an answer if my if my loan's gonna be approved or not. Right. And so once they get familiar with you too and you prove that you do what you say you're gonna do, it becomes so much easier the next time to get another loan and another loan and another loan. My only complaint about a small bank is their credit lending limits. <laughs> right. I keep on, I think I'm getting close to those each time. And, and so luckily we've been able to pay some off here recently because I, I really don't want to do loans with anyone else. So we're, we're working hard on that, Jared. We're, we're uh, continuing to raise capital to reinvest in the bank and we're on a, a very good track. Uh, the bank is doing extremely well. It's growing and uh, we're looking at every way possible to you know be able to serve customers like you uh, from now until ever. Thank you, Steve. How about that? Eh? That wasn't even in the boardroom. That was straight here on BRX. You hear that type of thing. <laughs> Steve, to hear that must be, what is it, warmth to the heart? To hear a uh, an investor, someone who's going to borrow from you, uh, share the way he does business? What's interesting, uh, you know, and Jared, thank you for the comments about our loan officers. Uh, I consider them to be some of the best in the industry. When they put a, a packet together for the board review, the loan committee review, it's not one or two pages. It, it, sometimes it's 15 to 20 pages. This is an in-depth analysis so that by the time it reaches our desk, we, we know what we need to know, and it makes the process so much easier. So when it's possible, we can approve a loan in days, really, because it doesn't go outside of the city. It stays here. All of the decisions are made right here in Tucson. Mm. And so the speed at which we can do that and then uh, getting to know our customers is extremely important to us. We visit the customers often. Uh, because we want to be you mean literally go to literally the, to the businesses we, we do okay. and uh, directors call uh, customers just to check in and say 
how's things going? Are you doing well? And uh, it's a process. And, and the better that we know each other, the more successful we will both be. <laughs> I'm laughing because the other side of the coin is, uh, honey, there's, there's a call. Who is it? It's the bank. I'm not in. <laughs> Whereas with you guys, oh, terrific. Tell him I'll be right there <laughs> by the sounds of things. Uh, Jeannie, you're sitting there with a smile. Listen, what's the most interesting part of your job? Oh, the people. That's absolutely the people, the people that I work with, but more so the customers, the clients, the community that we're a part of. Just being out there, talking to people. The banking model that we follow is relationship banking, mm -hmm. and we really believe in establishing a relationship. doesn't matter if you're a client or a community member. We want to have that relationship with you. We want to know your names when you come through the front door. That's what we want is... I joke and I tell people all the time, I'm, I have accounts at, at a bank that I used to work for, corporate bank. You walk in, you're just a, an account number, you're an account balance, you're just a number. You walk into our bank, we want to see you as a neighbor. And that's what I like to tell people is we want to see neighbors. Well, I got a question for you because I haven't had a chance to get down to the bank yet and walk in the door and experience anything. I'm a nobody anyway, so it doesn't matter. But the point is, do you serve coffee and biscuits while I'm waiting? We have the coffee. I can arrange the biscuits. <laughs> Okay, give us an idea of what your daily routine would consist of then. Oh, every day is different, so it depends on the customer's needs. What time would you start as a matter of interest? Depends on the day. Okay. Some days at 7, 7.30 breakfasts through the chamber or private meetings with people. Okay. Um, other times it's customer visits, popping in, grabbing signature cards or paperwork. If they're getting ready to open an account, I'll courier documents. Um, we have customers that need things dropped off. I have packages of checks that I'm going to be dropping off at the radio show. So kind of providing that red carpet service and, and making it more convenient to bank with us. Banking as a whole, the branch footprint is shrinking. We're seeing across the country smaller branches, less employees, and that's the trend. More things are electronic. So to compensate for that and to have that concierge service, mm -hmm. customer service that we pride ourselves on, we have a measure to where we can be the bank that goes to them. I, I don't think online banking will ever take over, will it? Uh, it's going to be huge with the millennials. They definitely going to rely on it. But right. I think we're going to be missing something if we rely solely. Well, with what you're doing and from what you know, your model is, um, you're really going to be able to compete with it. We are. We absolutely are. I mean, there's lots of people who still like to read a newspaper, although you can hardly get one these days, right? Right. The print's getting worse and worse, and it never leaves your fingers. But at the end of the day, you've still got those that are absolute addicts to, to holding a paper yeah. versus looking at an iPad and trying to read it electronically and so on and all these other new things they're pushing down our throat. I can't, I can't personally enjoy online banking. You know, I love what you guys are offering as a model to real people. Real Shake people. your hand, how you doing? Come on in, you know what I mean? That yeah. sounds lovely. Now, as a relationship manager, do you find yourself in difficult situations at all? Perhaps difficult borrowers or entrepreneurs? Sure. I mean, everybody has bad days, right? You'll come across somebody who's frustrated, not necessarily with us, but with their day, with the situation. And you try to come in, learn about their frustration, what are the challenges. And being in a community bank, it's really unique that we have the opportunity to kind of be flexible on some of those things. We can, um, for example, if somebody has a fraudulent check that clears and it hits their account, they get a phone call from our staff. And that's never good news, right? That your account's mm. overdrawn mm. and that this is a check you didn't write. But having those... Um, there's relationships in place to where you can be there and say, let's walk you through this, let's help you resolve this. And that makes the world of difference to customers. 
And do you ever have any problems with um, identity theft? Sure, identity theft is is. It's on the it's on the grow, isn't it? It's a little bit. Exactly bang? on the grow. So yes. I would imagine you guys would be putting in things all the time to counteract. We are, and our staff has actually caught um, identity theft situations and notified family members of those situations and said we suspect this is a situation and notified them, and the families were able to get involved because you learn your customers, you learn their routines, you learn their habits, what they typically do and don't do, their signatures, all those components that you would look at, mm-hmm. and you have. Um, when you have consistent staff like ours, we have very little turnover being a community bank. A lot of our employees stay as long as possible. They leave for family reasons from time to time or something like that. Mm-hmm. We don't have the attrition you have at the other banks. So these these employees really do get to know these families and are able to intervene when the when the need arises. Wow. Sounds like just one big happy family, yeah. doesn't it? We like to think so. <laughs> do you uh, participate in any local organizations? Yes, I do. Uh, in fact, we're encouraged at Commerce Bank, all of us are encouraged to be as part, be part of the stuff all the staff is encouraged yeah. yeah absolutely so we all try to spread ourselves out to where we're involved with different organizations so that we can impact as much of the community as possible so each of our loan officers have areas they specialize in i myself am involved with the boy scouts uh, there's a catalina council good scouts award luncheon that i'm a committee member for um, i am also involved with the father's day council tucson which every year picks uh, prominent men in our community and honors their roles, both as fathers, community members. Oh, yes, I remember that last year. That's yes, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Metro Chamber, I think you're and an ambassador Tucson, committee. Metro Chamber. I volunteer in the, yeah, the ambassador committee, which is great because you get to be at the ribbon cuttings. You get to see these businesses that are celebrating anniversaries, starting out at the beginning, get to know them and support them and cheer them on. We love watching companies grow. So when you guys, because all you guys are in all sorts of organizations, right, as I with Metro Chamber, Hispanic Chamber, and so on, uh, lines for you, Steve. Do, do do business guys come to you and say, "Look, what's this commerce thing about?" I mean, I mean, you know, because they're, they're traditionally banking. You're looking for new clients. You're in business. Actually, it's the Rotary Club of Tucson. Yeah, I know. I was wanted you to plug it though. Never gone. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'll give you an example. I was at lunch before I came here today, and the fellow I sat next to, he wants to move his account from a large box bank. To commerce because of exactly the things that we've been talking about. He doesn't get the response that he needs to run his bank effectively. So when, when you're out there and you do a good job, people hear about it. And we're just trying to make sure that we are available to uh, meet with people and talk with them about their needs. And so far, uh, the bank is growing and it's doing extremely, extremely well. To Steve's point, all of our clients, I think most of our our staff members print our, our cell phone numbers on our business cards. So customers are calling, texting, they're able to reach us. And even the executives, I know the board of directors have business cards with their numbers on there that they're out there distributing. And John Lewis, the president, all of us want to be as accessible as we can to be there in those moments yeah. when you need us. Yeah, well, you have nothing to hide, have you? No. Absolutely nothing to hide. You're here today, Steve, really basically representing other directors, right, and and shareholders. You're a director for the Commerce Bank of Arizona. With all you've done and experienced in the world of challenging business, what do you see as the Commerce Bank, well, Commerce Bank's most challenging chapter ahead? Managing growth, um, you know, we have raised money in the past. Last couple uh, couple of years, we've had capital raises that have been very successful. Uh, we want to continue to grow the bank, so it's it's managing that growth and being responsible. The difference between being in manufacturing, which was the bulk of my career, sure, yeah. and banking is pretty dramatic because you have the Federal Reserve, you have the FDIC, you have the Arizona State Regulatory uh, Regulatory Committee, and 
you know, they're, they're, they're there for a good reason, and that is to make sure that we do the right things. And so as a director, we have that responsibility, not only our shareholders, our customers, and our employees, but we need to do the right thing, and that's what directors are responsible for. So we work hard on that, and um, in the Commerce Bank is as, as good as you can get. And in your world, is there such a thing as, you know how you mentioned before, you go to lunch with somebody or you're introduced to somebody maybe at a cocktail party or whatever, they ask what you do and what you're involved in, and then they get a little interested and they start asking you questions. You know, then next minute, maybe it's a case of, look, do you think I could meet you for uh, coffee next week and maybe talk about, uh, I'm not happy where I am. Where does the line draw for you? Is there any laws between wanting to take my money or being coerced to take my money from the bank I'm in to your bank? I don't think we'd be very successful if we coerced no, It's totally to, open. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, we try to be as responsible as we can right. and as open as we can. And I would say that um, people meet people, they either like them or don't like them, they either trust them uh, based on their knowledge of that person or not. And so when we're involved in the community, as we are, you right. are, um, people get to know you. They know you for being successful, being um, honest, uh, being somebody that will work hard. And so if we represent ourselves well, we represent the bank well, and that's how I think we get a lot of new business. So why do you think you agreed to become a director? I wanted to be involved in a local community bank. I wanted to be uh, able to get engaged in the community. And uh, what a better way to, to do that by throwing a wonderful community bank like Commerce Bank of Arizona. You've served on other boards. I mean, how is the Commerce Bank Board of Directors different? Commerce Bank is the first bank board I've been on. I'm on, still on a number of other boards. But um, the thing I find about the executive team, every manager, every person within the bank and the entire board is a, a level of cooperation that you don't necessarily see in other, other environments. And so there's a, there's a strong desire on everybody's part to find the right thing to do and do the right thing and um, move forward and grow. And that's what we're doing. So what insight has it given you, do you think? Insight to what? Uh, to Overall life people anything at all with i mean you've you've had a very busy and active career i i, I tell you this it's been a lot of fun um i've learned a lot uh every industry has their their three-letter um definitions and uh, banking industry is no different and but you know you just you learn and you get to know and meet new people and the thing that I've always enjoyed in my business was getting out to our customers and being able to do that. Um, that's the fun part. Mm -hmm. That's good. So how do you play a role in, say, local decision making? I'm on the loan committee, and so we uh, meet on a regular basis or whenever we need to meet. And uh, we review the loans, and um, our goal is to be as responsive as possible, as, as I've mentioned several times. And so being on that loan committee is another great way to get engaged because you get to know and understand the companies. Um, Jarrett um, is very active with our bank and, and uh, get to be engaged in, in the process of approving those loans, and it's, uh, it's very rewarding. So g give us uh, an idea just for our listeners, you know, because radio is the theater of the mind. 
when you what's a loan committee? I mean, how many buffheads sit around a table and say, "Well, well, what's he got? <laughs> what that does it work?" <laughs> well, first of all, the, the loan officers, as I mentioned before, are very good and detailed in terms of their presentation of what the loan request is. Okay, so the paperwork's done firstly. The paperwork is done, and there are times when we'll get the paperwork in. There's gaps of uh, information. Okay, and it's and it's not uh, a situation where you say, "Hey, we gotcha." You know, you didn't get it all filled in. It's really a collaborative effort to get the right information so that we're all comfortable. We have responsibility to make right. sure that we're approving good loans. And, um, as, and, you know, we always look for ways to put a loan together. Uh, we'll, we'll meet with the customer many times to, mm-hmm. to get to that right solution so that we can approve a good loan. So how many are on a committee? Give me an idea. There's five. Okay. And you do all the paperwork, you sit down, then you discuss it together, no doubt, firstly. Um, The idea of the project, the idea of why he wants the money, put your two bobs worth in, you know. Yeah, I think it's a good one, fellas. Well, I don't know, let's have another look. Then you discuss it, would you? So the the process is evolving. We used to meet once a week formally in the boardroom at 2 o'clock and review every single loan. And then we found out that sometimes that just wasn't fast enough for our customers. It wasn't convenient. So now we have a process that uh, through a protected uh, email server, we get the information electronically. Then we're asked to review the documents. We do that. And then we have the opportunity to vote on that. And if we have questions, we you know, will enter the questions. There, there are several times where we'll pick up the phone and just say, we'll call the loan officers and say, I don't get it. What's going on here? Mm. And so you know, there's that dialogue that goes back and forth. Okay. It's a very interactive process. It sounds like a lot of fun, actually. It is. It really is. It is a lot of fun. And the neat thing about the loan process at our bank is we use the standard underwriting criteria that all of the bigger banks use. We have more flexibility when it comes to the non-traditional ways of of looking at these loans. And we have an understanding of our community that the bigger banks wouldn't have. I've, in my former role, had the privilege of taking minutes, and I would be in meetings where one director would speak up and say, I know this gentleman. I understand his history. I've known him 25 years. He's upstanding. And they would speak to his character, his integrity, his reputation, and those are taken into consideration when the directors review these loans. Fascinating. We're hearing all about Commerce Bank of uh, Arizona right here in Tucson coming to you from the Stewart Title Studio on Broadway on Business Radio X. Given that banking is a highly regulated industry, uh, any thoughts from any of you at all how important the relationships with the bank regulators are these days? Uh, It's very important. The previous um, management at the Commerce Bank of Arizona had a different approach. Uh, They would uh, not listen, they would not respond, and as a result, they they suffered the consequences. Our approach is, you know, whenever we meet with the regulators, we want to listen to what they have to tell us because that makes us better. And if we can do the job better, it helps everybody. And so we're very interactive with all of the regulatory uh, groups that, that come and visit the bank, and uh, we're proactive as well. Right. Now, let's, let's take another look from Eb's point of view as a shareholder. Uh, how do you measure the bank's success? Well, several ways. Number one, as a shareholder, you know, I would like to see a return of my money, not just necessarily return on my money. Uh, but that's further on down the road. Uh, for me, as so I have dual interests here. Number one is a shareholder. Mm-hmm. Number two, I refer business to the bank. So uh, just the other day, I referred uh, a physician here in town who needed a loan. And, you know, pass that off to Jeannie. Jeannie takes care of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
what we do in our business is uh, very interesting. There's a lot of stuff we can do. I will tell you that one of the things that we can't do is loan money. Uh, I'm not the place that you want to come to put your banking money, you know, the money that you need to use on a daily basis. No, right. I want to make sure that I have a place that I can send it to that does that. I can't tell you the number of complaints I get from clients who say, my big box bank sucks. <laughs> and and I hate going in there. And and I they don't know me. I never get the service I need. And they're not asking for much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They just want to go in and say, listen, I'd like to deposit this roll of quarters right. without having to write their name and account number and everything else on the roll of quarters. Yeah. You know, they, they want to go in and they want to be able to say, hey, I realize it's five minutes to four and I realize you're closing, but I really need to cash this check. They want to be able to call up and say, listen, I'm running late. Mm-hmm. I know you close at four. I'm going to be there at 4.05 and I need to do this. I can't tell you the number of times they've stayed open for me That's when I've good. been running late. They haven't bolted the door on you. you no. Did, did well, you they take do, the but I have to knock and they'll, they'll well, open Well, yeah, fair enough. I mean, a little bit of security is still needed these days, you know. You did take so, one question right out of my mouth. You, you do recommend clients then? Absolutely. Because you get a lot of clients for your firm. Yes, I do. So with confidence and with ease, you can say, I've got just the answer for you. Because when when I am not just a shareholder, leave that out. But when I am a depositor, when I'm a client of theirs, and I know how they take care of me, I know that that's how they will take care of my clients. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't, I'm going to hear about it. Well, and, and if yeah. I hear about it, they're going to hear about it. What goes around comes around. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> and, and Can, Mark, one thing there, yes, it, wor- it works both ways. You know, when I was looking for a financial advisor, John Lewis pointed me to Ebb and said, I'd and you need to do a talk with them. Okay, that's reciprocal too, yeah. It's very good. Really well. That's what's nice about having relationships in the community is the business people help each other. And Jared's right. We get a lot of requests where they'll say, do you know a lawyer who specializes in or do you know a CPA? And we're able to help connect the people in our community, which mm-hmm. is fantastic for us. Yeah, do you know. And as big as the community is, it's small. It uh, is I, know, small. I know that Jeannie works on the Boy Scouts. I do as well. Uh, I just, the other day, I apparently entered a contest. I lost. I ended up being on the nominating committee for the uh, board for the Boy Scouts. And, and our job is to look at these people and say, who do we know that is on the board that shouldn't be there? Who do we know that's not on the board that should be there? And then we reach out to them. By the way, I need to talk to you after. Uh-oh. <laughs> Let me ask you, Ebb, um, can you explain to us just how, for example, you, I know you've touched on a lot of good, yummy things, but how you've benefited from your affiliation with the bank? With, in fact, the community bank, I wanted to ask you. Well, once again, for me, it's just having some place to go that takes care of me. I, you know, Jared hates debt. I hate debt. I, I don't have loans. I, I, that's, I, I don't believe in doing that. The one thing I do know is that uh, John has expressed, listen, if you ever need a loan, we are here for you. It's good to know that those things exist. Uh, you know, and I know I've touched on a lot of things, but the other way that I've benefited, uh, I've met a lot of great people that I would not have otherwise met. Right. You know, Steve, you know, I, I really enjoy Steve. I would not have met, I might have met him through Rotary, but I would have met him in passing and not really gotten to know him as well as I have. Bill Ossenmacher, the chairman of the bank, um, I knew of him, but I never really knew him. And it's just really enjoyable mm. to have all these personal relationships out there. Jared, you touched before on um, 
many ways that you love the e-commerce bank and their ability to help you with your lending needs quickly uh, you know against anybody else you ever tried to do business with or went to go for uh, what would you change about them the commerce bank if you could if, if there was anything at all that you would improve on what would you do because you've been around the block um, once again I'd go back to my earlier statement where they're their lending limits I would love to go do a Ten million dollar deal and get what you really? you know, six point five million from the bank if if needed and and unfortunately and fortunately they're they're here to help the small the the small community businesses and so at, at certain points they've got lending limits. Well, that was going to be my question overall to to all of you really. Is that so important to have to go big loans? Do you think? I mean, you don't want to build a tower in Tucson, do you? We don't want too many high tall buildings, or do you? If the market told me there was demand for it and I could make a profit off of it, I would build it. You'd do it. And Stephen, would you want to give him that sort of money? We would. And, uh, you know, we have to be practical at the same time. But right. We absolutely would work with Jared. Okay. Class okay. Act, class act. So you're, you're investing, more and more investors are coming to you. Mm -hmm. You're getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You're going to be able to do this type of thing down the track, you feel? And in how long? I can't really answer that. <laughs> uh, you know, we are in the process of continuing to um, grow the bank in terms of the loans that we make. This last capital raise that we had in 2017 was very successful. So we're putting that money to work and our lending limits are raising as a result of that rising and uh, so we're pleased with that but I, I don't have an answer for you as, okay. as in a period well you're not a crystal ball I understand yeah, that yeah. but for a dummy like me what happens with a capital raise the money is reinvested back into the community when you go after more money though to mm -hmm. come in to the bank mm -hmm. by investors mm -hmm. uh, is it a long process that you go through on the promising of returns and what sort of money they can expect well Ed was part of that process and so was Jeannie and I, I would say that by the time we kicked it off to the time that we concluded was eight or nine months no I think it was maybe ten ten months mm -hmm. okay all right so it's pretty quick yeah really. it's not bad think, is it you think about it and that was after an extension or two as well so. yeah we, we got to the point at the end of the capital raise we set a limit of how much money we wanted to raise and we got to the point where we were turning people away because we just we had over oversubscribed right. and people just still wanted to come in and be part of the story of what we're doing so there is such a thing as over subscribing over, yeah we're already building a list for the future whenever that day say, comes we all are. it takes is a phone call doesn't it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> save a fortune in marketing costs <laughs> the story's out there people are, yeah, are you still interested jack <laughs> well you know one of the things that you stated was you know uh you know, how long did it take? What kind of return are you looking at? Things like that. Uh, look, nobody can promise a return. They, they, they just can't. What they can promise is we want to be able to give you a fair return on your money, mm -hmm. you know, for the risk that you're taking, but it will not be tomorrow. This is a long-term thing. Of course, Just, just yeah. like in my business. You know, this is, this is a five to ten year to forever time frame where uh, the, the more diligent that commerce is in building its foundation, in building its base, the stronger it's going to be able to withstand turmoil in the marketplace, which uh, it, it, we don't think it's going to come. We know it's going to come. It will come. And when it comes, commerce is going to be able to weather the storm because they've already proven that. And they've got leadership that has weathered the storm over and over and over again uh, at Southern Arizona Community Bank. They've proven that they know how to do that. 
and that's what's important. So it, it's not, you know, how much am I going to make over a period of time? You know, how much am I going to keep from losing? Well, not just that, but you're also looking at the um, your investment is already improving the economy. So it's already for every million we raise, there's 5.4 jobs in our economy that are created for each of those millions. Right. So you see job creation. You're seeing a number of industries strengthen and growing. You're seeing people sending their kids to school. You're seeing people economic forecast. Fabulous. Yeah. And let's face it. Look what's happening to Tucson. Uh, the people I've interviewed on different shows over the last two months alone have shared with me that we are expecting some 50,000 jobs a year in the next five years or so. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've got to house them, got them but, you know, what a good time to get into a commerce bank when you think about it. Yeah, and, and you know, Jeannie was talking about for every million raised, uh, that's how many new jobs? 5.4 new jobs okay. in our economy. New, and, and so when you take a look at the community banks versus the big box banks, the community banks are active in the community, not just, you know, taking in deposits and loaning money, right. but also creating jobs. Uh, they are tremendous for creating jobs because all the money stays here. Absolutely. It doesn't go out of state. It stays in the community. Yeah, it's a big thing, isn't it? You, you Over 90 cents of every dollar deposited at Commerce remains in our economy. Economy gets recycled into businesses throughout the, the right. city. Well, there is the such a thing as colloquialism, and I mean, you know, people hate it when their money goes out of the state. And that boy's in New York somewhere, and I don't even get the service for it. And, and that's why, <laughs> and that's why the bank is adamant that if you're working at the bank, we want you to be out in the community. We want to spread the word for what we do. The more people that that I'm going to use the term "we" as a bank, although I'm not in the bank, the more the more that we can do as a bank to help those people. The stronger our community is going to be, the bigger our community is going to be. The more jobs that we can provide to the community, and you're not seeing that in the big banks. It doesn't exist. You well, talked about commerce weathering those storms and the potential future turmoil, but we're also strengthening all of those industries when we're when we're investing that money back in our community, so our whole community weathers those storms stronger. Wow, they all owe you a big favor, don't they? Well, I think. So so too that it's a good thing for commerce because like for investors like me i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure that i pay my obligations back it's mm -hmm. not just a number i'm not just an application i know those people i gave them my word I'm going to pay those loans back. Well, not only that, it's a small town. It's not easy to hide, is it? You know? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Jared Reed, I want to ask you a question, Jared Reedhead. When you uh, look back at your business success, is there one situation or a decision you would regard as your worst mistake? I've made a lot of them. That's a, that's a hard question, Mark. Um, There's always the one that gives you sweats at night and you go back. You know, I, I, there is one where I did where I didn't do my due diligence on a property uh, that I should have done more on. And I ended up, um, I made a mistake. I, I lost an investor's money of about 7500 we were in it together we put down the money and and i had to go to him and and i told him it was my mistake and i i wrote him a check for seven thousand five hundred dollars and you know he thanked me and and probably couldn't believe it couldn't believe it about two years later we closed on a deal that i had a sixty thousand dollar commission from that same guy so i think the integrity pays but i learned that you need to do your homework <laughs> my word but but wasn't he so lucky you could go to him and write him a down check for seven five <laughs> how many others would say i'm sorry jack we've lost it all and, and i promise you i'll pay you back someday <laughs> yeah you know what i mean that's fantastic now you've been married to uh, amy reedhead for 19 years well she's a trooper right uh, you have three sons ranging from eight to 15 years of age what's the biggest bit of advice do you think that uh, you've given them um always be honest have integrity um, own up to your mistakes and and just be honest with people. That's a good thing. Now, when you're not making millions, Jared, uh, what do you love to do? 
I am passionate about sports. I love I love playing basketball. I love playing football with my boys. I love coaching them in it, and, and I love the Wildcats. Yeah, of course, bear down. But when you say you love basketball, I mean, um, could they do with you over there at the moment? Or what? Well, they couldn't hurt. <laughs> Jeannie, I've got to ask you this question because sure. you've had a bright career, and you're a smart lady. Your biggest mistake when you think about it business-wise? My bus- biggest mistake business-wise? Um... I shudder to say this, but I probably haven't made it yet. So, um, no, I took took some time out, was a stay-at-home mom, came back, and I think I've done things for the most part the right way, and there's really nothing that I look back and regret or wish I'd done differently. So if there's some young lady listening to you right now uh, who could do with the advice, maybe in a slump in their career, what's the biggest advice you'd give them then? I think every mistake or what you tend to, to maybe initially label as a mistake is, in fact, an opportunity to learn, to grow, to do better, to be better. And uh, I think it's an t- opportunity to connect with people who can help you grow. I think that's very, very good advice. Um, Eb, you're, you're a sports guy, aren't you? you? You're into hunting, is that right? I'm into hunting. Hunting, mm-hmm. shooting, fishing. That's it? <laughs> <laughs> well, those are my big passions. <laughs> you're not going to get away with it. What was your biggest mistake? Uh, well, I, I should have opened my business and gone private. A lot sooner than what I did. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I was uh, 25 years in the industry before I went private. 23 years. I should have done it a lot sooner. And that's it. That's probably the bit. Well, so far. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're yeah. smart. you've. Um, I think you've done very well. You know, everybody makes mistakes, and as Jeannie said, it's 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 how you learn from those mistakes and what can you do from those mistakes going forward to to make it better. And for me, what I would advise people in my industry, leave where you're at now, put your name on the door. You know, I I don't have a a different name other than my business partner and my name. I want my name on the door because I want to show them, here's where the buck stops. This is the responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, we're proud of what we do. We stand behind what we do. I should have left earlier and formed the company earlier. Okay. Well, good advice on that. And last but not least, Steve, you uh, privately you remember the Rotary Club of Tucson. Uh, you coach in the First Tee program. You must enjoy that. I do. I'm, I coach with my grandson primarily and, okay. and the other kids. And First Tee program is not just for a bunch of rich country club kids. No, of course not. It's, it's really to help uh, these kids that uh, don't necessarily have an opportunity to be involved in a sport and it teaches nine core values, respect, responsibility, courtesy, confidence, judgment, honesty, integrity, perseverance, and sportsmanship. And we do that through the game of golf. And so when you see a little you know, third grader that can't hit the ball come out there, and pretty soon you know, they're starting to hit it, and then we go out on the course, and we start talking about those core values. Can you give me an example of what this honesty means? Well, that means writing down the right score. And, you know, so you get all these examples. And sometimes, believe me, Mark, the answers we get are like, <laughs> where did that come from? Because yeah. they, they don't understand necessarily. Right. And that's not for every kid, but there are those that we reach out and we really try to help. So that's it's a, fabulous. It's, it's a wonderful program. That's a good thing you do. So you, uh, you must be a golfer yourself then. 
I, I am probably referred to as a hacker, but uh, okay. I love the game. Yes, I do. Well, that's well, well, yeah. well, you know, it's a, a lot of people say it's a darn good walk, ruined, but still. <laughs> What's your handicap? Uh, high. That's good. Yeah. That's good. You're up there with me. Uh, 20 something. That's beautiful. We win all the money, don't we? Yeah, sure. Are you a Sabido Canyon volunteer ranger? I, I have I really enjoy doing that. I haven't done much of that lately because um, in in our club we raise money for youth programs here in town, primarily primarily literacy things, and we put on the Rotary Car Show down at the Gregory School in October, and we use that money to support Bakeway for Books and four other chosen charities right. that the club picks. And so the, the main focus is about uh, literacy, kids, and also to help uh, uh, older people get jobs. And so it's... Uh, Fabulous. You do a lot of good work in the community, mate. It's a credit to you. Good luck with the bank, by the way. Thanks. And uh, last question, what's your worst mistake that you've ever made career-wise? Jeez, oh, I was hoping you'd pass along. <laughs> I kept looking at the clock going, boy, we're all yeah. time. I <laughs> never forget a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mentioned that we did a lot of acquisitions, and um, every acquisition you try to integrate the companies uh, together. And, and when you do that, you affect a lot of people. And we had, um, you know, as we were doing that, we were learning, and and I would say that you know there, there we always had the best intent concerning people, but we made mistakes, and you know sometimes those mistakes are pretty hard because it affects people, and it affects their families. But as we went through the process over and over again, we started getting better, and I think we were more respectful for the folks that uh, of the companies that we acquired. Fantastic. I hope you've enjoyed the show today. I have. It's been uh, illuminating. And I want to thank Ginny Johns, the relationship manager for the Bank Commerce Bank here in Southern Arizona. And uh, thank you, uh, Ginny, for rounding everybody up and making this uh, absolutely possible in the first place. Steve Pickering is the director of Commerce uh, Bank of Arizona, and uh, he was rather enlightening. That's the golfing fella. By the way, you'll see all their photographs, uh, all their links. You can talk to them, phone them, call them, whatever. They're all going to be on the side of the BRX uh, uh, business radio site. Okay, so when I finish here, I always take photographs for everybody. So they always come dressed in their ball gowns and so on. Uh, we've got Ed Wilkinson, the Commerce Bank. He's locally owned that bank for <laughs> a while now. He's going to. He has a terrific business uh, where he advises people what to do with their money and very successful indeed. And he's been a shareholder and a gentleman involved with that bank for some time, Ebb. And the biggest thing of all is once a Marine, always a Marine. Semper Fi. Semper Fi. Thank you, sir. Jared Reedhead, interesting life you've had, my friend. San Diego, Chile and all, huh? No, not me. <laughs> that's right. That's you. That's him. You're the stay-at-home billionaire who loves real estate with colleges. Are you going to go to another city? We are. We are, we are expanding currently. So we'll get to hear about it then. I would love to. That's fantastic. Jared Reed. Uh, he's the University of Arizona absolute staunch supporter and uh, has done very, very well for himself and can tell you firsthand how you can deal with uh, a commerce bank and particularly this bank here uh, in Arizona. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you, Thank Mark. You. Thank you, Mark. Mark Bishop signing off with Business Radio X from the Stuart Title Studio on Broadway, but in Tucson. Thank you.